Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. All right, guys, we got uh, a colleague of mine from last week, Kevin Kisner, joining the podcast. So nice of you to join us during the middle of this national championship game. I mean, I mean, it's probably weird not seeing the Georgia Bulldogs playing right now, but we'll kind of keep everybody updated as this thing goes along as we're sitting here in the middle of the third quarter. But I mean, Kiz, I mean, you're, you're playing golf this week, but last week you did broadcasting. I mean, overall, I thought you did a great job, but where would you rank yourself handicap wise as a broadcaster just like you were playing golf so where, where are we starting as far as where our handicap is i'm an 80 shooter you're an so 80 shooter that? come on dude you're way better than that you gotta so give yourself like some credit half handicapper i bounce around tell you how i can shoot 76 i just never have <laughs> i mean so tell me about the week dude i mean I can't imagine that broadcasting like entered your brain like at any point in the last couple of years, but being able to do it last week, first off, let us know like when the conversations kind of started to where you're like, you know what, I might give that a try to see how it goes. Well, Tommy's always messed with me at tournaments. I'd go to dinner with those guys or see him on the range or hang out with them somewhere. And he's always saying, when you're ready to quit, let me know. I want you to try out for me. And I was like, dude, I'm not quitting anytime soon. He's like, I know, but when you're ready, let me know. And uh, around, obviously, I didn't play much in the fall, so he probably thought I was retiring or something. And then he shows up at Sea Island, um, and he's like, hey, I need to talk to you next week. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, we got some stuff going on, and I might need your help. I was like, all right. Next week was Thanksgiving. I said, call me. He called me Monday morning at like 9 a.m. He said, can you give me some events that you're not going to play that you can broadcast? And I was like, what? I mean, like, <laughs> do I have to go to school? It's like holidays. And do I have to go like to journalism school or broad, uh, broadcasting school? You want me to fly to New York? What do you want me to do? He's like, no, no, no. I, I'll give you a seminar on, uh, on the phone for 30 minutes. And I was like, you're going to give me 30 minutes of prep and you're going to give me an open mic to the world? And he goes, yeah. I was like, dude, there's you're BSing me here. So sure enough, he's like, um, I'm gonna set you up with Sam and Elise. They do all the contracts. You want to? When can you go? And I was like, well, I'm going to Maui. I mean, I'm going to Honolulu to play, so I could do Maui. He's like, all right, perfect. I'll see you there. And I was like, what? It's the wildest <laughs> thing. Next thing I know, I'm talking to a guy about a contract. And I was like, I've never had a job in my life, dude. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I my job's to figure out how I make more birdies so here we are i uh talked to you for an hour on the phone uh, the week before yep. and you gave me all kinds of insight and then i showed up to my first meeting as an employee on wednesday at 1 30 in maui i mean even that hour on the phone it's until you get there and experience kind of what what the heck i'm talking about and seeing it for yourself you really just don't have an understanding of like what exactly goes into tv business because my first time seeing it i was like overwhelmed with all of the different traffics what goes on in the truck and well, first off tommy's our producer tommy roy that is and and you sat in the truck on thursday and you just about probably booked your flight home after being spending an hour in the truck with how chaotic it is in that truck just kind of walk everybody through that experience of how hard it is to produce golf so I wasn't going on on Thursday. I, was, I didn't have anything. I wasn't wearing a headset on Thursday. And he's like, why don't you come in when I go in the, in the truck like 30 minutes before we go on air and hang out with me for a couple hours and then ride up to the booth 
and just put a headset on and listen to them on the headset for a couple hours. I was like, yeah, perfect, man, whatever. So I walk in there like 1240. We're going on the air at one. And at, uh, he has a chair sitting like right next to him, like knees touching, my knees touching his knee. And for one hour straight, I listen to people yell. And I, I'd never forget, Smiley, you weren't with me. Nobody I knew was there. And I, I tap him on one commercial. I was like, um, it was like 1.30. I might have made it 45 minutes. I said, I think I'm going to head up to the booth if that's all right. He's like, yeah, go ahead. That's good. And I walked out and I got my golf cart and I started driving and I reached down and I called my wife and I was like, I, I don't think I can do it. And she's like, what? <laughs> I was like, literally, I think I've got to come up with a way to tell Tommy that I just don't think I'm cut out for this because I just spent an hour on the broadcast and it's so hectic and wild. There's like, there's no way I know when to go or anything. She's like, oh, I'll just keep hanging there and see what happens tomorrow. So I drive cart 15 minutes up to the booth and when I opened the door to the booth, it was like walking into like a Zen yoga studio. It was like calm, cool. You got Dan Hicks talking very softly and nobody else is saying a word. I was like, oh, this is so much better. I can do this part. So I, I put the headset on, kind of got a feel for uh, what the heck was going on. And then uh, the next day they're like, yeah, just jump in there. We're ready. So off we went. <laughs> I was laughing that Thursday because when you came in and you got on headset, just kind of listening and observing, like halfway through the day, you're like, is somebody tell me what like Mark Rolfing's holes are? Because he keeps talking like on these random holes that I never know who's going to be talking on which hole. <laughs> it, it just cracked me up. They like I, that was one part I didn't explain to you is that yeah, there I didn't understand are... the holes thing. I was like, why is he talking in this time and not Kurt talking? I don't understand what, how they know when they're going to talk. And then they hand me the so, sheet of paper and they got it highlighted like six, yeah. nine, 12, 14 Rolf. And I was like, oh, now I got it figured out. <laughs> so for, for those of you that don't know how TV, golf, announcers, and broadcasts are kind of organized, for the most part, you have uh, one or two holes guys, and those guys will get assigned four or five holes, and then you have your play-by-play -play guy that does the rest of the holes. So Kevin was trying to figure out, wait, who, he could not figure out who's talking when. It's like, wait, what, when am I supposed to talk? And then I think by the end of the day, you're like, okay, I kind of have an understanding for this. And then Friday comes around. And I thought Friday was great because really the golf in that late afternoon was kind of crappy. Like there was nobody that was like in the lead. Like there was nothing serious that happened that Friday afternoon. So you just told stories and I, I was just laughing my butt off the entire time at some of these stories that you were telling about like Patrick Cantlay asking you advice like an hour before the president's cup about how to put on Bermuda greens and just like random yeah. stuff like that, man. It just, I thought so many different things you said, just like added such a different insight to the broadcast. Yeah. I think, um, you know, from what I heard is having a guy that's like been in there close with the guys recently, it helped, you know, I've got stories on all of them because I've been around them. Now, some of these young guys, I don't have any stories. If Akshay would have got hot yesterday, I'd have probably just sitting there twirling my thumbs the whole way. I don't have any, have any dirt on him yet. Um, but it was nice to have some of the guys I know well rolling and that I could uh, pull from my old memory bank. I remember making fun of the Max Homa story Friday afternoon about his putting. He was the <laughs> worst-looking putter like five years ago I'd ever seen. And then I told him that after the tournament. The next year, I, I didn't play with him much, but he had a great year. And then we go to play again. I, I forgot the part on Smiley on that. The, we played Captain's Choice or 
however y'all want to call it, Lauderdale, the first day of that tournament. And I putted second. And the first mm. hole I didn't putt on was 14. So he oh didn't make a putt in the first 13 holes. And then he finally made like a four-footer on 14. And I was like, thank God, man. I was starting to like <laughs> wonder if I was just going to putt by myself for the rest of the, the whole day. And uh, oh, he's, a, he's, like, he's a pretty good iron player, though. You know, yeah, so like, like oh, that. Of course, you're hitting all of my putts, though. I've hit the green, and you haven't. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like fair, fair deal. <clears throat> um, but no, it's been uh, it was cool, really cool. Uh, what about in the booth? I mean, I think the first time I did it and when they turn the lights on for the first time, like how bright it is. And you do that on because I told you, it was like, hey, man, you're going to have to do it on camera. Like, just get prepared for like what you're going to say. And you were you were saying just like how all over the place it was. You just didn't know what was coming. But still, the on camera thing is kind of like awkward, right? Like it's because it's, you're talking to, you know, there's Kurt next to you. And then you got Dan, but then you also have the camera, which is your basically third person. So it's just like you're having this conversation. And it's like you're a bobblehead because you don't you know where to look. What I was uh, what got me is like we're lounged back in there. I'm lean back, kind of got my feet up talking about golf like I'm watching on my couch. And then all of a sudden you hear in your ear. All right, we're coming on camera next. And everybody jumps up real quick, gets ready. <laughs> puts all their shit on, like fixes their hair. I'm like, woo, that's fast. That came out of nowhere. Um, and the lights pop on. You're like, oh, boy, they're about to come to us any second. I've got, like, peanut butter and jelly in my mouth. I've been drinking <laughs> Coke over here. i got coffee spilled on my shirt. Uh, yeah, let's go to the camera, Tommy. Sounds great. <laughs> is there is there anything from the week, like, story-wise, that you've looked back and you're like, man, I cannot believe – I forgot to say this about a certain player. Like, is there something mm -hmm. like you're thinking about now? It's like, man, I, how did I forget that story? Or like, how did I forget in that moment to say this? Like, did you have any, or just any regrets about anything you said or did during the broadcast that you would have done differently? Not really on the player, but, uh, so there's, we don't eat the whole time up there. All we have is peanut butter and jellies and like bananas and waters and coffee. And Dan, like halfway through, always eats a peanut butter and jelly. So I started doing it too, right? I'm like, I'm starving too. Hell yeah, give me a peanut butter and jelly. So one of the on-camera times, like they came out of nowhere. Dan's got his like mic up and he's eating and he knows all what's about to flow. And all of a sudden Tommy's like, all right, on camera next. And we go to on camera and Dan starts talking and I turn to look at him and his whole bottom <laughs> lip is covered in jelly. And I was like, oh, my God, in my head. I'm like, is that shit on TV? Because that's funny. And so he's got like a purple bottom lip. And I wanted to make fun of him on air. But I was like, I don't know if that's kosher or not. Like, we're up here grubbing out on PB&Js, and now I'm going to make fun of him with jelly all over his lip. Oh, my so, uh, God. <laughs> when, we, when we quit, I was like, get that. Uh, get the mirror, Dan, and check out your lip. You just showed America there. <laughs> I mean, at the Phoenix Open, I think it's going to be totally kosher. I mean, you just got to you got to you got to dog them at the Phoenix Open if that happens now. Oh, yeah. I'm like, how many peanut butter and jellies do you have to eat to go on camera with jelly on your lip? I'm going with two. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess the last thing I'll talk about with the media side of of just the business, what you've probably realized is and it's totally different being in that chair versus watching golf on TV and, and a big topic of the conversation kids is talking about commercials and just how that ruins the flow of the broadcast, this and that. And like, listen, we don't want to have to show commercials. We'd cover golf all day. And the last, I guess the last two hours of our broadcast on Sunday that at least uh, the hour before the last, last hour, our last hour, we didn't have a commercial, but the hour before that, I think yeah. we had like five or six. 
Tell me about the difference between those two for a guy like you, like you, I think what you told me something along the lines, like, I can't imagine not having a break because doing that for however many straight hours, it's just like, it's harder than you think. The entire time I did it, I was like, all people bitch about at home is commercial breaks. And there's always, they always go to commercial. I literally lived for the commercial breaks up there. (laughs) I was like, dude, how have we not gone to commercial yet? I feel like I've been talking for 20 minutes straight and we, nobody said a thing about a commercial. I'm like, surely we're going to commercial. I got to take a leak. Like, when are you supposed to pee up here for four hours? Um, Then I got to run outside and pee in a urine, Portal John real yep. quick, run back in, everybody's yelling at me, kids is off mic, kids is off mic. I'm like, can a brother take a piss one time? Um, <laughs> I tell you, so you join me out on I the chorus. Tough. That was one of the Huh? I said you can join me out on the chorus. I mean, there's always there's piss breaks everywhere. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I I literally that was the biggest takeaway. It's like I'm never letting somebody bitch about how many commercials there are again. Like we need more commercials. We need to go like six an hour from here out. That hour <laughs> that last hour, I was hitting my phone like crazy. I'm like, holy cow, we still got forty minutes of no commercials. I gotta go talk for forty minutes straight. It takes a while to get through those last couple of holes at Kapalua. You think, oh, they're all 16. Wait, I tell you what, the 17 and 18 are always just like a, a march to the finish. <laughs> and then with no commercials, you got to just make up dead time and talk about shit nobody wants to hear anyway while they're walking to the green. At least so, you knew Chris Kirk, though. That helped. Yeah, it helped. But, uh, yeah, we need a commercial right there, Smiley. I'm all for it. <laughs> We're going to make a Smiley Show Kisner Foundation yeah, uh, that's commercial and put it in right there. That's what we need. That's what we need. Um, all right. So outside of the media, I mean, the highlight of the week, you got to play golf with me. So that, that had to be pretty fun. I mean, we played you and I rode in the cart and we played against uh, these two high school kids, uh, Landon and Dylan. Uh, yeah. One's in college, one's in high school. Played over at the Bay Course on Saturday afternoon. It blew like crazy. And then we get out to the Bay Course. It was one mile an hour wind and all we played were par fives and par threes. I mean... I, I finished that round. I was like, a, dude, I'm, I'm turning pro. <laughs> you, had a, you had a big problem that day, didn't you? You just couldn't stop hitting it where you were looking. It was, it was just – it's an epidemic going around. It's it's a tough scene, man. I just could not stop hitting it where I was looking. And I asked, that's I asked a fun course, though. It was an awesome course. And those guys took such good care of me all week. Those high school kids, like, had golf balls and waters and carts, and they let me go out in front of the first group every day. It was unbelievable how nice they were to me. And uh, so I had to repay the favor, and I drug you along with me, and and uh, we found something over there for you. You might come back on tour. You might drop the mic and come back too. Yeah, I mean, until I hit it out of bounds on seventeen and eighteen the next day at Plantation, uh, a hole that you said it's. That. I wasn't even gonna bring that up, and then you just self-deprecated yourself. <laughs> it wasn't even. I, I was. I was trying to sling one off the booth, got it a little on the heel, and then the wind got it. it it's not even. We're not even talk about it, honestly. Yeah, but we had to play cr- way harder conditions than they did at Kapalua yesterday. Yeah, but that golf course is. It was not hard. My goodness, and and I was kind of thinking the question mark hard. for you on this would be you know the debate like every time like there's a scratch golfer it's like you know what what, what would a scratch golfer shoot at a major championship i actually think like if a scratch golfer played capaloo like i think they have no problem breaking par like in that tournament <laughs> in that tournament yeah, over your side i think you have a bunch of scratch golfers that could have probably top gotten top 30 i mean i'm just telling you it just yeah. wasn't playing hard at all 
And with no win, I bet they would have struggled on whatever day at blue Saturday. They would have struggled. Yeah, we didn't play the front nine. I think uh, I think the front had a little more teeth when the wind was blowing, but the back's pretty pretty easy. The whole, I mean, what were we? We flipped wedges to every hole except seventeen. Yeah, and then, but any toll we had to chip, we couldn't really get it there because like the grain was such a problem. <laughs> I mean, we, man, just, I feel we bad it. for that maintenance staff that's like cleaning up our chop fest on fourteen grain today <laughs> after we chipped a hundred balls there. It looked like it looked like wild boar had come down there and rooted up the area with the most grain because Smiley and I were determined to figure out how to hit the chip shot best. We're digging the shit out. I mean. There's grain. Every, we might have just got all the grain out of the hole. We might yeah, take it all. I, I think the grain's going to be not an issue next year. It could just be <laughs> dirt. <laughs> I, and then I started foreheading a couple of them over the green because I'm trying to get kind of shallow. And I was like, got, got that little low point behind. It was like, pew, right across the green. <laughs> then you went back there and practiced. You're like, yeah, I didn't work on that shot anyway. It was easy over there. That yeah, grain, that, like the fairway was just brutal. My goodness. Brutal, man. Uh, well, Ch- well, Charlie's got a couple of our uh, highlight package uh, ready for us here. Let's let's roll. Let's roll clip number one from our experience playing together at the uh, I don't even know what the course is called. The Bay Course. Um, Kevin Kisner here. This eleventh yeah, hole tra- oh, cut foreign. I mean, just take us through that whole process here. You know, I mean, this is just a work of art. So I'm uh, I'm telling you how I was going to show you something I never do here, and I'm going to hit that big high cut forearm, but then I aim right at the target. So that's pretty good. You might want to a- open up a little bit if you're going to hit a f- cut, you idiot. So, uh, yeah, I'm aiming right at the target. And uh, am I allowed to cuss on your show, by the way? Uh, yeah, no, play on, play on, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so then as I – I didn't know you were videoing, so as I go ahead and hit my slice over the right of the green, I just let you know how I felt about it right about – now really like you don't even so here's here's a question mark for me kids and and you're somebody that talks about in their golf swing how you don't ever really feel the ground uh it's it's all more shoulders and arms but all i see in this club throw is loading that front foot getting a little (laughs) knee bend and using the ground to fling the club with force i mean look at that i mean that's like if that's the shoulders are just a result of you using the ground. <laughs> so you need me to get some ground force going, ground reaction. Well, what, are they, what do these nerds call it now? Ground reaction forces. Yeah, yeah. that's what I need to acquire. I bet you that that really would help me start aim more to the left if I started thinking about the ground. Well, next week I'm well, watching at the Sony Open. Charlie, why don't you continue to see how my uh, my commentating friend. What he what he did right after I, he saw me tomahawk Ooh. this uh, foreiron down the fairway. Actually, uh, video cut oh, off. We're kiss. not going to continue. To vid- <laughs> Amazing video how the cut guy off. that hosts the show gets to, yeah, gets to edit the video however he would like. A few moments later. Can you pull up the other video? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he thought my high cut was so funny. and decided to chug a Pacifico. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh it's it's all good it's all good i mean it that's what you call in, sony open prep right there boys that when in hawaii sony open prep. yeah when in hawaii um charlie can you pull up the other video uh if you don't mind i thought this was actually this will actually have a legitimate conversation on this one because uh when we're talking about shipping um 
at one point, I don't know, when did you start going like cross-handed? Was that last year at some point? Yeah, I, uh, well, I sculled like a most routine chip ever, and then I got so pissed off that I just grabbed a cross-handed because I knew Matt Fitzpatrick did, and then I just flushed the shit out of it, and I was like, huh, I'm going to start There's doing that. To this. I'm going to start doing that more often. That well, looks like this is at the QBE shootout. So, though, all right, walk me through, like, so somebody that's really struggling with chipping, and you immediately grab a wedge and go cross-handed and you had immediate success. Like what's the first thing you felt that you could do that you couldn't do uh, with your regular pitching motion? Well, I got into a bad car wreck in college and I hit a car head on and I bent the steering wheel and I always had a right wrist problem. So I always huh. felt like uh, coming down regular handed, I couldn't hold the angle of my right wrist, if that makes sense. Like so you would I- dump it? Yeah, I just dump it and stall out, and then I skull it because the bottom would move so far forward. And so, I uh, when, as soon as I grabbed it that way, it felt like I could carry the depth a little bit longer on the downswing of my wrist angles. Although I kind of derf that one right there, but it hit the flag. I remember this <laughs> shot right here. I uh, what hole is I that? I couldn't figure it out. It was the drivable par four, and I was playing with Stricker, and he hit it right there. And you know how good he chips. And we oh, played. Yeah. We played hundred dollar hole outs and then i got hosed right there and he hit some ned chip right before it to like four feet and then i was like that was terrible strict watch this i'm gonna do it cross-handed because i don't think he knew i chipped cross-handed yet and uh, i said i'll even beat you cross-handed and then i it almost went in Damn. i mean honestly probably it probably should have gone in all right you can cut Talk that off the- i um, finally cut max almost shot right there but it didn't happen uh so if just like the rest of your game, I and mean, we just saw the chipping. You said you were struggling with that. Cross-handed seems to be doing some good stuff. Uh, kind of like rest of your game, like whole career, like if you put it in a nutshell as far as just your ball striking, putting, everything, like did you ha- ever have periods of struggle with your ball striking, like beginning of your pro career? Like have you gone through like ups and downs with all this or have you always been fairly consistent? No, I've been a roller coaster my whole career. I had a good run there, like 15 to – 20 basically where I, I hit it pretty good but I was just uh this is my 300 start uh this week at the Sony Open and it was my first start on tour and I was just talking to my wife Brittany we stayed in the the worst hotel in Waikiki when we flew over here it was like awful right it was the only one we could afford mm-hmm. and then I shot like 16 over par for two days the cuts like what three under yeah. and uh my mom's a huge like walk the course and like keep stats on the card at like a junior golf mom and so she always wore golf shoes to walk the course and i remember my wife like wore golf shoes too trying to be like impress my mom and i shoot 16 over we get back to the hotel i'm like i can't play the pga tour i suck and my wife's like well i can't walk the course with your mom in golf shoes because look at these blisters on my feet and so we sat in our shitty hotel room here what 14 years ago and like watched the ac drip mold on us and uh decided that the pga tour just probably wasn't in our future and and here we are 300 starts later wow how about that so uh like you said ball striking wise 15 to 20 is when you're probably the most consistent so before that um like when did you start seeing uh John Tillery, was that before 15? Would that have been? Yeah, I went to college? him like um, in the fall of 13. So fall of 13. So before that, so you turned pro in what year, kids? I turned pro in 07. So 07. Years, so uh, Two years mini tour, then I went to the web.com, and then I got my card that year. 
So would you say from 2007 to 2013 before you saw Tillery, were you just kind of an inconsistent ball striker? What what would you describe like? I just never striking? was a uh, a ball striking nerd. I just that's all we ever did was chip and putt and go play. So I never really thought about how to hit a golf ball. I just yeah, you know, if I was hitting it really bad, I went and took an hour lesson from the club pro. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. uh, he'd be like, "Yeah, you aim to the right or whatever you want to say." Then <laughs> just simple whatever. stuff, right? Yeah, and. Uh, and then I played the mini tours like that. I didn't have any lessons, and, and we played such, uh, like, munis on the mini tours. Sorry, Michigan's. Oh, he dropped it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we, played like, <laughs> we played munis, and the golf balls on the range were so shitty, nobody hit range balls, so you just played and putted on the putting green, and that's all we did. And I made a bunch of money and played good on the mini tours. And then I got on the web.com and started noticing guys hit it better than me, but I was just meaner and a bulldog and kind of figured out how to play. And then when I got on tour and I shot me a little 16 ove ski over here at the Sony Open and I watched like guys lacing four irons on the range, I was like, holy shit, I just hope to hit the center of the face like one out of ten. These guys are hitting it every time. Uh, I started to realize I might need to start figuring out how to hit a golf ball. Yeah, and so when you when you saw uh – uh, Tillery for the first time. I mean, he, I think he's very good at articulating to their players, just like learning the information that he teaches. And uh, I take that kind of came out for you on the broadcast to me. I, I really feel like you can look at a swing, whether it's yours or somebody else's and really understand how their body moves and how that affects the club face and uh, just what they have to do to square the club face up. And uh, I don't know if that felt like that was natural to you in broadcasting, but to me that kind of came out. Well, in 10 years with Tillery, I've been working with him since 2013. I mean, he's evolved too. So we've gone from like all different theories on how best to play and best to, and, and bodies to arms, to hands, and we've done it all. So we've tried every different pattern and studied every pattern. And also when I sucked this year and quit, I like, nobody can figure you out like you. So I really started studying what he thought, what I thought, what made me function, what makes you function differently than me. And I, I just think guys, you know, too often get caught up in just because it feels this like we have no idea how feels are. Like, Smiley, I could punch you in the face and Charlie the same uh, same level of intensity and you might cry and he might say, I didn't even feel that. So how can we tell some guy that you need to feel this on the downswing when I have no idea what you're feeling? So uh, I think that's the hardest part about golf instruction and teaching the best players in the world or any te- anybody at that point. Uh, you got to figure out what makes them tick and what makes – like one of the things JT and I are now like totally on board is I have to make it – it has to feel good to me. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it looks like. Like if I tell you I can beat somebody's ass with that, let's figure out what that is and let's go with that. And if, I, if you think it looks great and I tell you I can't walk to the first tee, then there's no point in going down that path anymore. That's a good point. And when, and this is something you just now figured out at 39, 40 years old, which is your sure. 40 in a couple uh, weeks. You know, we all go down these rabbit holes and chasing the next thing, right? Like, well, if I work on my left foot and I get my pressure, pressure on my right foot and if I get more stable and I do this, I might really start hitting it good. And then you're thinking about your feet and your knees and your hips and what about the club face and your arms and wind and how mm-hmm. far I'm going to hit this ball. So it may work perfectly for you. You might play great thing about the ball of your left foot. I mm-hmm. could give one shit about the ball of my left foot. I want to hit the middle of the face, and I want to submit the curve to the left and start to the yep. right. So let's do that. 
And so what did you figure out was uh, the change? So was there something that you were trying to do for a while that that you realized he's like, I, I can't work with this. Like this is, isn't the feel. And what was the feel that you ended up finding? So I always fear a white block cut. I know you know nothing about that, but I fear the hell out of it. Like wake up in the middle of the night. Like when you go to hell, all you do is feel the feel that I feel when I hit the block cut type stuff. Dude, we, I so, think we're in the same, I think we're in the same, like, if you're in room 224, I'm in room 225 with you in this nightmare, <laughs> man. <laughs> we have like the adjoining doors. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, anything to not make me feel a block cut feeling, I will I can play you. I'll play you all day if I don't have that feeling. I don't care if the ball goes dead left all day. I just don't me want too. that feeling. Me too. And so what I and my really smart redneck brain I do to try not to hit it left is I start down by opening up my body really hard and pulling on my hands really hard and getting over the top, basically, and narrow. So that's a really good way to hit it even further to the right. And so instead of just being like, oh, I don't want to hit it to the right, I'm going to stay really patient, get my arms down there, and then I'll turn a lot later and just close the door and swing it around me. So um, what's been crazy is this one little flashlight drill that JT got. He had a flashlight on, on each end of yeah, the Yeah, he showed it to bike. me. Yeah, and so he's like, here, man, put that thing on your target line run it back down the target line, it flips up on the target line, then bring it down on the target line. And instantly I had this feeling of, I was like, my arms had to do so much more in the downswing and they had to feel, I don't know if you can see this on camera, but I had to feel like I kept my wrist angles way longer to drive mm. the flashlight down the target line. Down the target the line. Yeah. So I would, I guess what I'd do is I'd open way up and then start mm -hmm. throwing it, trying to catch up. Right. And, uh, yeah. That's no way from Kevin Kisner to play. I can promise you. Well, and I was like in a similar notion to kind of relate to that. And you kind of explained this to me as well. I was like, dude, like, because I, I explained to you, it was like, man, I, I kind of pull on it. And you were actually the first person to say this, like, all right, what happens when you pull on it? You're like, you're, you open up too much. And like, right. I'm a person that's trying to get the club to go. I'm trying to get my arms in the club to get down so that get I can just rotate somehow. Yes. yes. So I can just rotate as hard as I can. But if you tell somebody that's struggling, that that doesn't want to hit it right, and you tell them, like, I'm trying to hit a fade. And for me, with an iron out of the top, like, I'm trying to hit a fade out of the top. Well, when you try to do that, you get over the top, that shoulder opens up, and that you're just always going to be short, narrow arm swing, and you're going to be steep, and you're going to slap that thing. It's going to go even further right. So I, it's it's so hard because your brain, when when things are going quicker – it's harder to be patient and your body just doesn't feel the same. So I imagine it's taken you quite a bit in competition to get comfortable with that field. Cause it, I bet it to you tempo wise, it feels like if you go one, two, three, like I bet it feels like one, two, like it probably just feels like forever back here in the downswing. Still can't do it. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm doing way better, but I still can't do it. I, like on the range, I can do it. I can rep it out when I'm hitting one after another, but like, one tee shot to the next over a span of 18 to 22 minutes. I'm it's, who knows what's coming. You know, I, I, at least my pattern's way tighter than it was. Yeah. When I quit yeah. I thought it looked good. But I, it's not like every single one of them is a perfect push draw right down the middle. Like you kind of need to start doing if you're going to have 165 mile an hour ball speed. And for, for you, like, I, I think Tillery's fantastic at teaching and giving guys mental tempo cues 
Like I, you were even helping landing the kid out here in Hawaii with this chipping, just like giving him some tempo cues. Like, can you kind of walk, do you do that with like your putting chipping and ball striking? Do you count that out in your head? So I never see somebody that tells me they suck at chipping, go too slow in transition. Never, mm. never seen some guy like get up there, chill out, talk about the day and then just ease right on through it. Right. No, everybody that says they have the chipping yips or the putting yips for that matter, gets somewhere in this point back here and goes, Oh shit. Just like Kurt was doing on with my freaking putter yesterday. I was about to kill him with that, putting that <laughs> shit off my putter. Uh, and, uh, so man, I, JT loves a metronome cause he's a, yes. a, uh, sound guy you know he can play music i'm like the least musically inclined guy in the world so the metronome does nothing for me except if i'm putting like mm. if i'm putting i can go i can beep it and beep it but you tell me to turn something all the way up here and then chill out and like when's the beep coming oh there beep it i'm like no chance bro so the one two three kind of helps me with my arms set like i set the club that's one big turnover stable pelvis that's two and then three's like getting my arms back down the target yep. line like i was telling you so i i just randomly threw that at landing it must have been the seven pacificos that that got me right and then made me think of that at the perfect time and uh then he flipped two flop shots in the grip up there on us yeah no i i just was wondering because you know so often as golfers you're trying to find a way to distract yourself a little bit from like just thinking about outcomes right and no if you have cues for tempo i think that's a great way to not only play for amateurs but for professional golfers that are trying to win golf tournaments i mean it's just a i, I had it with my putting i didn't do it as well with with anything maybe like bunker shots and stuff i would try to like make sure to feel that like dun dun like it's just something that's yeah. like a little slower in my head because naturally we're inclined to go quicker and why do we go quicker in transition i'll never understand but because uh, you, you can bomb it that's where <laughs> you, you think you're gonna get the most speed your club can only go the fastest once that's a fact so we think yeah. we're gonna do it up here come on because <laughs> i'm gripping that the, because <laughs> i'm gripping that club at like a nine out of ten man <laughs> <laughs> it's, e it's easy to pull on that thing when I'm gripping it like a I'm holding a hacksaw. <laughs> I think I'm over 10. Can you go over 100%? I think I've got like a 11 out of 10. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're talking about getting up there. Everybody's kind of listening like to us right now, and we're just. I mean, we're all the same. I mean, we all struggle with certain things, but one of the things I, I don't think you're confused at all about is your putting. And, and probably after watching me putt, you probably feel the same way. I feel like we both see uh, putting from a, a similar angle, which is very stable. But like even yesterday when I was watching you, I just felt like I could watch you putt all day and, and I just continue to learn like how to properly set up to a putter because like all your lines are just absolutely perfect. Yeah, I said it on the broadcast yesterday. I was talking about Scotty Scheffler's setup, but I, it was awesome too. The putting is the only thing that's not dynamic in golf. Like we're not moving anything other than our core and our T spine. Basically, our arms are just along for the ride. We're rocking. Everybody says you're rocking your shoulders, but are you really rocking your shoulder? I can't really rotate a shoulder. I don't really understand that whole deal. Like I can turn yeah. a core around my spine, or I can turn a T spine. Um, so. It's not dynamic. If I get in the same setup and I get in the most stable spot in the, I can possibly get, and I describe it to people like if you're playing shortstop or something, like mm -hmm. you see all the different people 
you watch every shortstop in the major leagues, they all stand there the same way when the ball's about to be pitched. You know, they're down, they're ready, they're stable, so they can move. So I'm always trying to get as athletic or stable as possible. Everybody talks shit about how I look like I'm going to the bathroom or something, but I'm like, okay, well, come try to push me over. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall over like some people I look at on tour. Um, so if I'm not going to do anything dynamic, I'm going to get as stable as possible and just try to move the least amount of shit as possible. Yeah, and, and they used to show you on the broadcast, like, pre-warming up, you got those little, uh, what are those little yellow balls you put? Like, you strap they're them called, on the bottom uh, of your feet. They're called, like, Chango Paws. You can get them on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I just try to find somebody and carry my bag to stand on. You can stand on anything. You stand on, like, a half a foam roller. You can stand on those foam things in the gym. Anything to make you figure out, like, where I'm not going to fall down if somebody pushes me. Get on something yeah, stage. Yeah. You'll figure out real quick where how to set up. Yeah, that makes sense. And the, like, what was the, you gave one drill to Kurt Byram, uh, with his putter, you know, what, what was the thing you talked about? Like you took a couple of his fingers off. Um, yeah, well, every time it. I see people that are like yippy, it's always grip pressure, you know, the grip pressure changes in the stroke. So I always just tell people to take every finger off, but the ring in the middle and try to put those on the grip. You can use your, your palm still, but you, you can really get a feel for, what has to move the putter when you're not really holding on to it? Like I gotta get some momentum some, from somewhere other than my hands. So what yeah, am I like gonna everything. do? Yeah, you just start feeling like your stomach and your back start doing it instead of your hands. Or you just get one of those broomstick putters. <laughs> yeah, he was trying to tell me that you your speed's better with a broomstick. I just can't fathom that. We argued <laughs> about it in every breakup there. Can you believe how many guys are putting with the long putter again? It, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I I, it's, uh, I I probably had more of an issue, definitely with the belly putter. I like wasn't a fan of that because I really thought there was no skill in that. I really wasn't a fan of the uh, the arm lock putter too. Like I, I kind of felt like that was more just as bad as the belly putter. But for whatever reason, I don't have an issue with the broomstick as much as I do like that I did with the belly putter and the arm lock. Well, I tried that butter today on the range, and I feel like the broomstick's hard. If you can't put it on anything, it feels hard to me. Yeah, I know. That's that's what I was saying. Like, I don't have an issue with it as much as I did with, like, arm lock. Like, I think that's – I think that well, shouldn't think, be allowed. I think but. any of us that picked up an arm lock were like, that's – I even tried it, but I missed every putt, so then that was it <laughs> after that. Um, but you can pick that up on the putting ring like, oh, yeah, this is pretty easy. <laughs> all right well i mean during the week you you gave me two of the best kids stories that i've heard i mean i need to spend more time around uh -oh. here because you could probably you could probably tell me more and more stories but can you tell the story about you and scott brown is there a classic playing with duff oh uh, when we uh we wouldn't chip yeah yeah y'all couldn't chip or wouldn't chip <laughs> <laughs> so zurich's like like uh, number 14 at Kapalua all the way around, though. Like every hole has that around the greens, and it was wet, and it had been raining all matted down, dormant Bermuda. And uh, we're Scott and I are playing, and we're playing best ball the first day. So it wasn't as evident like we couldn't chip because if one of us was missed the green, they'd just kind of put it up there. If the other guy was on the green, kind of just get out of the hole while they finished. But then we're playing with Duff and I think Pat and Kazire, and, and we're in the second round, and we're rolling pretty good, and we're in, like, third place. And Duff's like, I mean, I've never seen tour players not chip the ball so much. Like, every hole y'all miss the green, y'all go straight for the putter. And I was like, yeah, and we're whipping your ass. You know, we're putting it up there to four feet, and we're tapping it in. 
So we get around the front, and and we got like three holes to go on Friday, and they're like right around the cut line. And I'm pretty sure that Brownie hit this iron shot, and it lands dead in between uh, the green and a bunker. And as the ball's coming down, Duff yells back, what the hell y'all going to do from there? <laughs> so you're telling me the ball was on the other side of the bunker and y'all could not like put it around no the bunker. To, we were not going to put it through the bunker. So we got to figure something out. I think I had to chip it. I, I'm pretty sure. And uh, there was two stories to it. Cause on the back night. So I get up there and I, I'm pretty sure I chipped it and somehow like fatted a, a full lob off the duff stuff to like nine feet and Brownie made it for par. And I was like, that's what we're going to do. That was, that was just like I wanted to do it. Um, but also I think at the part of the story I told you was on, uh, on the back nine early in the round, I, uh, I, Brownie drove it in the bunker. I had had no shot, like in a small bunker. I had to like, just kind of pitch it down the fairway and mm-hmm. he had like 45 yards to the front and the pins 20 on. So he's got like 65 yards and I walk up and he goes, I can't, I can't chip this shot. I said, do what? I said, what do you mean? You can't chip it. He goes, if I chip, I'm either going to hit it right here in front of you and you get to hit it, or I'm going to hit in those trees back there. Cause I'm a bone it trying not to fat it. And we're going to have to play lost ball. And I was like, well, f*** it, man. Just putt it, man. I don't know what else to do. And it was kind of like one of those you could only putt it, like, to the front edge and it would take it the rest of the way. And Brownie hits his putt and it's traversing through the fairway like this, you know. And Duff is on the green and he goes, oh, my God, I've never seen some shit like this in my whole career. <laughs> But hold on, the, the, the chef kiss of this entire, like, two stories you just told is that y'all win the golf tournament the same week, right? Because you we're chip lost, and kind of bone one on 18 in the I dark. Bone, and, one, bone one right into the flag and went in in the dark, and we went to playoff and lost. I mean, that's, this, is, this is why this story is so good, because so many people remember this chip shot from you, kids. And I remember in my head thinking, like, man, those two guys can really pitch it around the greens, like, in the dark to be able to do that. <laughs> like, this Dude, story comes out, you are putting around. My, dog, my ball on 18, if it didn't hit the flag, was alligator food. And it hit that flag going about 108 miles an hour and went in, and I acted like I planned that shit the whole time. <laughs> God, y'all were going nuts, and rightfully so, because y'all hit the green. It was like, God, oh, we, we hit the green. We're in. Finally. finally. <laughs> and up and down. <laughs> All right. So the other, the other story, and I thought this was just, like, hilarious and, and totally, like, if you know Phil, this story makes so much sense. The oh, President's God. Cup story of, of not being in his pod the week of, uh, would this, would this have been not Quail Hollow or was this Liberty National? Liberty National. Yeah. 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 So I don't know Phil that well. I mean, other than playing a few times with him leading up and I'm in a pod with like Chappie and Charlie Hoffman or somebody, you know, some of my buds and on Wednesday Strix like, Hey kids, uh, we're switching up the pods today and you're going to go with Phil. And I can't remember it. It was like Cooch and DJ Phil Cooch and DJ. Mm. That's what it was. Cause we played a big money match on that day. And we're just getting slaughtered out there. Uh, so we you and Phil are on the same I, team, I assume. Phil and I played them too. We we're going to play best ball in the front and, and alternate shot on the back. And uh, we're going, and, and the whole time I'm like trying to figure out what the hell am I doing here? Like, why am I playing? Am I not playing at all this week or something? What's going on? And so the third hole comes up, 
and Phil hasn't found his ball in three holes. Like, literally, we're yelling for snap hooks, high yaws. And I'm like, geez, man, he's playing bad. I hadn't seen him play all week. And then Strick rides up, and he's like, hey, kids, you're going to go in our anchor match with uh, Phil, alternate shot tomorrow. Y'all going to play Jay Day and Mark Leishman. And this is like Jay Day and Mark Leishman were their two best players at the time. They were rolling, right? Yeah. And um, so I'm like, holy shit. I, didn't, I don't know anything about Phil. I'm like, what is going on? Phil proceeds to shoot like 46 on the front nine. Like, doesn't cut me a hole. We're down like three down. DJ and Cooch are laughing their ass off that I'm just getting smashed and now I got to play with Phil. I'm telling you, Phil can't hit it on the planet. I've never seen anything like it. So we go to the back nine, and all of a sudden it goes to alternate shot. He just starts striping it. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Anyway, fast forward. So I'm like, we get done. We lose. I'm like, strict. Full striker side. I'm like, what the hell's going on, man? Like, why am I playing with Phil? I literally in my pregame was like, I can't play with Phil. I hit all the fairways. Phil never hits one. I don't know how to play with that guy. And so I'm playing with Phil, and he's like, well, Phil has an astronomer that graded all the two teams, and you got the highest grade. And so he's basically just told us that he wasn't playing with anyone but you. So I was like, okay, that's the weirdest shit I've ever heard in my life. <clears throat> so I go talk to Phil. I'm like, so what's up with this astronomer? Because oh, not only that, kids, every time I hit a shot, I need you to face me with your belly because all your energy comes from your belly and I can pull your energy before every shot. And I was like, well, judging by the front nine today that I don't have enough energy to save us. And this is going to be brutal. So we get whatever the next day. And sure enough, he doesn't forget one man every time he goes to hit he's like kiss kiss here stand right here i'm like jesus this is the weirdest shit i've ever done in my life and we missed one fairway in that match in alternate shot on thursday and i missed it he hit every fairway that it was his t-balls i missed one fairway and we drummed jay day and mark leishman it's one of the greatest turnarounds in ball striking overnight i've ever seen in my life i mean you, you can't make it up kids and so I think it must have been my energy to be honest it was your energy, and, and tell me about the shot he hit into that one hole. It was probably like a, uh, was it a three iron or something he hit? Yeah, it was the third hole of the day. Uh, I, it was straight in the wind, and I, it was my hole to drive. I hit it in the fairway, and I was like, yeah, you're probably not going to play very well from there. You're so unused to being there, and he's like, ha, 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 whatever. And he stands over this three iron. It's like 230 blowing 30 miles an hour, and he hits this shot, and I look up, and it's not leaving the flag. The flag's just over a bunker. And it lands just over the bunker, and it rolls up there in the leather. And I said, damn, good shot, bro. And he's like, thank you. And I started walking off, and he goes, hey, kids, hold on a second. I said, yeah, what's up? He said, I made that look a lot easier than it was. I just want you to know that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you just can't make it up, man. I mean, You cannot uh, make it up. Once you spend some time around Phil, I mean, he just – Oh, he's he just got those one liners, man. After he does something special like that, it's just the best. My God, <laughs> I mean, I I, I don't oh, think yeah. of any other way. Like, kids, I I got nothing else, man. Like, this was. I mean, we talked golf. We talked. We talked media. We talked Phil Mickelson energy story. Like, people are gonna go to bed tonight wondering, like, what what did I just hear about this? <laughs> astrologist or astronomer I don't even know what he said I don't know what he is either I'm still trying to figure it out myself I ended up playing every match with Phil in that damn thing how about that yeah and y'all play good too right I played all three matches with him yeah we played good I think we went 2-0-1 or something like that 
Yeah. All right. Well, we got five minutes left of this national championship game. This last question I got for you. Uh, we talked about going to, uh, to Augusta National this year, uh, or at least I'll be in town. And I know you're not too far away in Aiken. Uh, and you live out at Palmetto Golf Club. And somebody told me that the beer prices, like during the year, are like $1. But like Augusta National week, they really hike it up to $2. Is, is this, is this it's right? It's $1.50 and it goes to $2. So they hike it up a whole 50 cents on the Masters week. You think they can cut me a deal there? Maybe dollar seventy five when I come in town, or man, what? I think they're going to have to charge you two dollars. I don't know, man. In fact, I'll talk <laughs> to the pros. You've seen me drink beer, which is probably why. I'll squirrel you a twelve pack for a dollar fifty the week before. All right. Well, we're going to have to sign that up, and hopefully, we can play some golf over there. I, I got to go to Kizzerstown and and uh, do the whole show and pony thing, and and watch you, uh, you know, steal the show over there. So we'll have to do that sometime. I'll parade you around like one of my kids, dog. Bring it on. <laughs> well, I'm going to request you this week. I hope you're a feature group. And uh, let's watch the rest of this football game. And, Kiz, uh, look forward to being on the call with you in Phoenix. So uh, we will see right, you uh, See you, See you. you next week and see you in Phoenix. Come on over here to the rain-soaked Honolulu, my friend. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, my man. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.